In a hybrid working model, how can leaders ensure communication with teams remains equitable across the board? To discuss this and more, this week I'm joined by Neil Kelders. Neil is a performance and well-being coach and an ambassador for mental health awareness. To start off, I asked Neil how we should be mentally preparing ourselves for the transition from working from home to return to the office. I suppose the main thing I was thinking about is that know this, that you've gone through this already in a sense. You know, you've transitioned from work to home. You've been there before and you've come through it. So that should give you hope that you can come through this once again. Yeah, you're going to have to, you know, juggle between uh, this new norm, uh, your kids, your family, meetings, colleagues. But again, you learn from where you've been, what you've done previously. So what I would say is you need to explore what went well with the last transition, what didn't go so well, and what you can introduce this time into this new transition back into the office. So, so looking back at what you've already done, because you have become resilient. You are going to have to realize that you can't control everything. And I'm going to mention this a couple of times, I feel, throughout this podcast, because we always want to believe we can control things. But look, the pandemic came, we couldn't control that. But what we can do, once you accept that you can control everything, what you can do is you can control your reaction to it. And that's what you did the last time when you transitioned from work to um the home environment, you uh, reacted, you looked at your reactions, what you could do, and you got you got on with it, basically. You need to also be honest with yourself, all right? If it's too soon for you to get back into the office, be open and honest with your boss. If they don't know, or your leader, if they don't know, they can't do anything about it. You need to inform yourself about the company's um, procedures and ask questions and do ask questions. Be open and honest and ask these questions. If the communication lines for the transition aren't open, you open them. Okay. All this is going to help with the worry and anxiety that you may be feeling or the stress. So you have a little bit of this power within you that you can do something about that. And the transition should be starting for you now. Okay, you also need to just be patient and flexible as well. Unfortunately, you do have to be this because everyone is going through it. Your company as a whole is going through this. It's a new learning. There's new challenges. There will be bumps on the road. So you have to realize that the management team, the HR team, they're learning as they go along as well. And one thing I like to do myself when I have kind of challenging times, I have a little mantra I say to myself. And I say to myself, I am responsible. So when times are, I feel I'm being discouraged or times are getting on top of me, I actually use this mantra and it brings me back around to, to take action and to motivate me eventually. So if you can find something like that, that will get you going and bring back you into a more positive mindset, that would be great. And then, you know, just focus on what the benefits, instead of all the negatives maybe, or what can happen, are the issues or challenges going back into the work environment, They are sorry, the office setting. Look at the benefits. Social element. If you were feeling lonely at home, it's going to curb that loneliness. You're going to have a more stricter boundary between home and work, which is going to be a benefit for us all. So try to focus on the benefits of this rather than always focusing on the negatives. And 
do chat to your boss. Be open and honest. Before you chat to your boss, though, you know, I always tell people, maybe you come up with a few ideas that might work for you. Tell them why you're stressed, why you're maybe anxious or worried. Tell them actually how that is making you feel physically and mentally. You can't sleep at night and how it's affecting you because that will affect your work as well. So if you're open and honest, come up with a few ideas what you might think will work for you. Maybe you come in in the morning, you work from home in the evening or, or whatever it is. But come in with ideas, but be open to them discussing their ideas around it, working with their ideas, and then coming back again for a feedback session. So again, it's very open, honest, but you're coming with ideas to the situation as well, not just relying on your boss to come up with the answers. So there are kind of some of the ways I think you can, you know, mentally get yourself prepared for that transition. Right. Yeah. And it's actually interesting because um, something that comes, you mentioned you, you have your your mantra and a lot of this um, tends to come from within in many ways, like the, the outside stimuli are there, but in many ways it's about kind of self-care habits and the introduction of routines into the day. So Neil, I wanted to ask you, what kind of um, routines do you think um, people should try to introduce if they don't already have them? And what kind of effect can they have on people's productivity? Oh, um, like I suppose personally, I've learned from my personal experience, my personal life, that self-care habits have changed my life around, my productivity around. Um, they're essential for my, uh, as I say, it's they're essential for me to win the day and they're essential for people I work with to win the day, definitely. First of, go, first of all, I just want you to know that, you know, don't feel guilty if you're not thrilled to go back into the office. OK, that's natural. We're, we're out of it. Is it like a, a year and four months nearly? OK, you know, you've developed a routine at home. You've developed self-care and uh, habits for yourself at home. You might not may not even realize you have, but you have. So what I would say is don't lose what you have that's good for you at home. Try and transition that into the office if you can. So a self-care habit, like even communicating how you feel, we've just talked about it, that is a self-care habit. Asking for help, letting people know you're stressed, communicating that you're confused about the transition, how it's going to work, the, the procedures. That alone is a self-care uh, habit. So get used to communicating, and this is going to be very important around this time. Set your boundaries. You would have set boundaries when you were at home, Okay. You need to set boundaries between work and home and in the new working environment. If you don't feel comfortable sitting in an open setting, you know, your desk is in the middle of the floor, try and see if you can get the desk moves uh, to the corner. And again, setting boundaries within your life, within your workday is, again, a self-care habit. Transition time. This is one I think could have been lost when we went into the home environment. And I think transition times are a great time, like transitioning before home to work day and then work day to home. They're a great opportunity for you to introduce little habits if you're feeling stressed to calm yourself down and ground yourself. And you can use little techniques like um, bits of meditation or breathing if you're in the car. Um, and like so self-care is very much your self-care personal to you you find out what works for you so when i design ebooks for people there's about 10 different breathing techniques 10 different meditations and you find the one that works for you so transition time will be very important 
but find out how you can not dwell on the day during the transition time that you can transition to the next part of your day. And so what I like to do is uh, in the evening time, when I'm transitioning from my work to uh, my, say, evening me time, I wipe myself down. I wrote this in the article as well, and a couple of my clients do. We wipe, physically wipe ourselves down. After I've reflected on my day, I wipe myself down. And that's my trigger to say that's my bit of self-care. Okay, I'm transitioning into my daytime. Each day, I would recommend you have a little bit of me time. And that could be in the morning, having your cup of coffee, staring out into space. Whatever it is, just the calm before you get into the work day setting. Grounding and calming techniques are brilliant. I usually use one with clients, which is very simple. It's called the 54321 method. And what you're doing is you're staying present in the moment. So that means you're looking at five things around you and you're saying it out loud. So when you're focusing on things around you, you're touching then four things. Uh, you're um, tasting three things. So what you're doing is you're staying in the moment and your brain can't focus on, your mind can't focus on anything else. Exercise, obviously, is a self-care um, technique. And meditation is as well. With everything I tell you that our self-care techniques, again, has to be something you want to do. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not a self-care habit okay and so if you go with friends to a spinning class but you don't like it that's not really self-care maybe you prefer to go for a run in the park or a walk so you find what works for you you do what works for you at the end of my day i like to do benefit finding and benefit finding is basically gratitude and it may sound airy fairy but you know what we forget the things that are in our lives so benefit finding is finding something in your life that you are grateful for. And sometimes we, we, we can't find things that we're grateful for. But if I said to you, if your child gives you a hug before you go to work every day and every morning gives you that hug, what if I took that hug away from you? How would you feel? You'd miss it and it would start to affect you eventually. There, that hug from your child is benefit, is gratitude. So find one or two things throughout your day are in your life then as well that you're grateful for, even if you've had a crap day. Um, during the daytime, this is very important because people have lost um, uh, their lunch times. They, they sit at their computer with their lunch times or even their coffee breaks. Shut down your computer, close your laptop, get away from it and have your lunch elsewhere. Preferably outside if you can in nature would be great. Do not lose your lunch breaks. Do not lose your, your um, coffee breaks. Very important to connect with nature, connect with people, connect with yourself. Also, know your energy levels. And I talk a lot about this. Some of us are night owls. Some of us are early birds. I'm an early bird. I know that I need to do my um, more analytical stuff, work in the morning. I will get through it a lot quicker. And I do my more creative work in the afternoon when my mind starts to wander. You may be a night owl, you flip it, you do it differently. You don't always have to do the hardest thing in the daytime for, or in the morning time. For me, that won't work. Or for, if that will work for me, but for others, it may not. They may not be as focused. Know your energy levels. Work with your body, not against it. And then we come to sleep. Sleep is massive. How, how you dictate your sleep actually starts the minute you wake up and how you progress through your day. What you do during your day will dictate how well you sleep at night. Try to explore, if you're not sleeping well, why? 
and address it. And one thing I, I do with um, and a lot of webinars or workshops, I have um, kind of a, a questionnaire to know your mood. We don't check in how our mood is maybe at the start of the week or start of the day. And the questions I have, uh, they have um, a rating, one to 10. And what you can do is you can say, my sleep has been good the last three nights or my eating. And it looks at exercise and it looks, a lot, uh, looks at 10 different points around well-being. And then what you can do is home in on, say, say well, the sleep was low. You can say, OK, sleep is affecting my mood this week. I can change that. So you're on top of it. You can change one thing at a time, sleep one week, eating the next or whatever it may be. And during the day, don't be afraid to just get up and move. You know, after lunch, instead of having the coffee, a walk is actually far more beneficial for you to, to energize yourself, but will also help feed into your sleep that night. So those self-care habits are very, very important. There's many more out there. There's many more that you will find that will benefit you and they're simple steps. They're not anything outrageous. They're simple things that you can introduce into your day that won't disturb your day, will benefit your day and help you for the day, the week, the month and continuous. But find it's a continuous process. Find those self-care habits that will uh, are best for you. Exactly. Yeah. And it's amazing what a few small changes can uh, make yeah. a difference wise. Um, Neil, we, we've spoken a bit, are you spoken a bit about the kind of, I suppose, the personal approach to, you know, kind of mental health resilience and, you know, dealing with your day to day. But if we switch focus now to just looking at leaders, and one of the things that is really starting to emerge as we look at a hybrid model of work moving forward is how leaders can keep communication fair, I suppose, or equitable across both uh, employees who are working in the same building and those working at home. So how can leaders help their employees to kind of support their well-being and mental health in that respect? Yeah, it, it, it is. Look, first of all, leaders do not be hard on yourself because it is going to be challenging, right? And you ha are going to have to find, you know, you're going to need to give yourself time to find the right solutions for the right team, for the right individuals. Remember, everybody's different. But the one good thing, I suppose, from the pandemic is, yeah, we're all probably zoomed out of it, but um, we know how to engage with people online now. We know how to work it. And what is going to be important is frequent engagement with people, both physically, who are physically present and those that are uh, working from home. And like... Is it once a week you, you bring the team as a team? Do you bring the team together once a week? Or what I like definitely is I like on a Monday morning where people uh, from the, from various teams meet on the Monday morning, be they online or physically, and they're all there in the room as such. And then on Friday evening to close the day, to close the week as well, they're there. OK, so uh, you can introduce a Wednesday one as well. But those morning and evenings, you know, to start the week and end the week, you know, the Monday morning, it doesn't have to be. Uh, strictly meeting it can be oh geez this happened to me this weekend you know share a, a quick story from your area or something like that so you're just starting your week as a team as a whole and um, you have to be conscious that you have to do people that are remotely you're going to have to do one-on-ones as well as team meetings with everyone because if it's a hybrid model it will affect those people working physically on site as well you don't want them to uh, um, take in more of a workload um, than those who are maybe working remotely. Do you know what I mean? That, that we we have to be conscious just because people are present doesn't mean we can start shifting more work to them. Everybody works equally. It's just we're working in different scenarios. Um, 
inclusion is very important. Uh, we can say if you're out of sight, out of mind, but you have to, have to, have to make sure that everyone is treated equally. And, you know, you got to introduce like feedback systems and maybe have time slots where you're talking to people individually during the week. Um, and again, that's both with people physically present and remotely. Uh, you need a feedback system where they can air issues um, if there's problems they're having. Also, I would say I would introduce um, a team activity once a week, maybe an online event, small event. It could be a lunchtime or something like that where everybody's just coming together. Um, you could even do like an online comedy, get someone in to do a comedy show, you know, or something like that for an hour, you know, but it's just showing that everybody's included. The thing is, you are, as a leader, going to have to spend a lot more time communicating. There's no getting away from it. Communicate, communicate, communicate. There's no getting away from it. You're going to have to find the best way for each individual, spend more time on it and uh, see what works for everyone and that it's not taken away from your work as well. But you also need to know when people are available to do team meetings, when they're not available, and work around that. So it is going to take a lot more work. There's no getting away from it. It is spending more time finding best ways to communicate. Absolutely. And actually, Neil, just uh, following up on that, one of the, I suppose, the legacies of the pandemic, if you want to look at it from a positive perspective, is this increased awareness around mental health. And I suppose that the big question is, do you think that will last the test of time or do you think it's sort of just here for the moment because of this unique context we find ourselves in? You know what? It's it's uh, it's it's hard to know, isn't it? Um, you know, are we talking about mental health in general? Are we talking about mental health problems? You know, which mental health we all experience. Mental health problems, not all of us experience. So it has been, um, in, a, in a sense, the pandemic has highlighted mental health problems and raised awareness um, um, within companies, within life, individual lifestyles and stuff like that, which has been great. Um, it... Do you know, the pandemic has reminded us that we, we we do interconnect. We are connected. Like, we were all affected by this. On this side of the world, the opposite side of the world, everybody was um, affected the same. And our, all our mental health were affected in, to some degree. Stress is a mental health problem. We have to remember this as well. Okay? But we came together, and, and cooperation was the thing. And, and working together we were able to um, improve our working environments, but also we were able to improve and help people with who needed more of mental health support. And that's what's going to have to continue. And what I mean by cooperation, it's not just down to the company and the leader, it's down to me, Neil, I suffer from a mental health problem. It's down to me to make it known to you, to create that awareness that if I am low or if I am stressed or anxious, that you're aware of that. I don't keep it to myself. Because if I keep it to myself, and if everybody else does, there seems to be no real need for mental health awareness anymore. But there's a massive need. So, for example, on my LinkedIn, actually, I shared a post last week, and I, I was low. And I was anxious at the same time, and it was nothing bad. It was actually a, a good life decision. I had made a positive transition, but it, it had overwhelmed me. And on that post, I have 5,000 views, right? And I have 5,000 views because people have connected with my, my issue and how I turned it around and what I did. So that shows me and that should show us all that people are still 
even if they didn't like it or uh, comment on it, it shows people want this awareness, want to learn more about it. So it's up to people like myself. It's up to the leaders of companies to come together to, to create that awareness and keep it going. And let's make it easier for people to speak out. You know, that, that's the most important thing. What we do know is that even when the pandemic dies down, mental health needs will keep going. We know that. So let's keep on top of that. Let's work together. And it's about, it's as much about people like myself who have those problems coming out and speaking out in a safe environment. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. Um, I suppose, Neil, just to finish up now, um, as we turn the focus back to leaders and kind of how they're processing in their own minds the coming months and how they'll play out, what you know, what kind of small steps or what what kind of acts can leaders take over the coming months to ensure that they can be at their very best for their organization and therefore to kind of uh, disseminate that to the people they work with? What I would say is leaders, you know, it's first of all, know yourself, know your own mood, know that you are the same as everyone else, that you have gone through similar um, experiences but now you take on the mantle of you, you have to, you have responsibility for your teams. So you have to be in the best shape yourself. So you have to look at yourself, you know, you have to self-care for yourself. So what I would say is that you have to know how you are feeling going back into a certain environment. How do you feel about the new protocols and guidelines in place? Have you voiced your concerns to your boss or HR teams? And are you facing any issues with the transition? Because people are looking to you. So if you aren't sure within yourself and honest with yourself, um, that will be transparent to others. And they, they will maybe reluctant or not know the direction they should go themselves. You have to communicate. You have to open lines of communication. You have to be open and honest with yourself and your teams. You are human, so be human. Okay. Um, physical proximity, it's going to be still restricted, but uh, that doesn't mean we have to stop developing our psychological uh, proximity. And by that, I mean like gaining trust. You need to listen well and get personal, share with people. And I just mentioned that LinkedIn post. If you share personal stuff, people connect with that they connect with the human side of you they will be more likely to follow you and listen to you then if you are willing to share what you are going through your experiences of the transition of the pandemic people will relate to that a lot better will relate to you and that will help the team so you develop your team and the individuals and look employees do uh, view you as the trusted source of information you know, you're the person they look to, to to help them through this. So you need to be secure with the information, with the information relaying, and you need to know um, the issues you've had with it and if you can overcome those issues and help others to do that as well. Um, have you started the, the conversation about the transition? You know, it starts now. It doesn't start when you're back in the office. You know, integrating into Teams meetings, uh, getting to know each other because you're going to have people that haven't been in the work environment, new people working with you that haven't been in the work environment. How have you um, looked at integrating them into the setting? Do, does everybody know them? You know, 
you have to realize that people are going to be fearful of entering into a new work se setting. Some people aren't going to be ready. How can you deal with that? You know, um, if they're not ready, why aren't they ready? Is it because they're fearful for themselves or then they've maybe they have people at home that they may affect, you know, be worried about when they come back into the home setting after a day at work. You know, emails and letters about information are great, but you can't substitute that for conversation, connecting with people. And that's for me is the, is the biggest thing you need to do. You need to put this is a this is another time of uncertainty for people. OK, life is uncertain. We don't we don't, didn't realize that life is uncertain, but this is a greater uncertainty. And um, because things will, may change again, we don't know with the different variants and things like that. But your planning process, you need to put limits, sorry, on your employees' uncertainty. You need to try to answer as many questions as you can forecast. And the planning process needs to be transparent, you know, informed on who's working on it, when announcements will be made, um, where people can get their answers, uh, their questions, answers, what changes will be within the physical environment and with procedures. Um, simple things like how coffee breaks will work, meetings, lunches. You are the link between the teams and the management, so it's down to you to be well prepared for that. You need to be open to people's emotions. You know, if you can address trauma, grief, uncertainty, anxiety as quick as possible, that will allow your team or your company to rebound quicker into this new norm. You know, so yeah, trauma has occurred. But if you can uh, show empathy, you can if you can address it as quickly as possible rather than put it off, then you will see your company will rebound quicker. And hopefully uh, you'll have it create a, a welcoming environment for your workers back into into the office. Yeah, I think that's really well said there, Neil, and especially regarding um, limiting uncertainty. And I think that's something leaders will be uh, kind of dealing with over the next few months. But with frameworks like this, kind of, you know, introducing small wins, that's how that's how you overcome those um, yeah. those barriers. Uh, so, Neil, I really want to thank you again uh, just for your time today. Really, really appreciate your insights. No, th thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> uh, best luck to everyone with the transitions. I want to finish off by sincerely thanking my guest today, Neil Kelders, for his time. And you can find Neil's article on this very subject on IMI's website now as well. Until next time, thank you very much for listening to the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. Take care.